Let's review some films. Let's review some films. Let's review some films. See what we gotta say. Hey everybody, welcome back to the franchise Strikes Back. We are here to dive into another franchise, whether we like it or not, and this episode is one where we do not. Uh, we are finally going to tackle a series that is just uniformly painful. Um, and here to talk about that today, we are joined by Eric Janizek. Eric, how you doing? Uh, pretty good. Pretty now good. Now that the, the, the memory of watching all those movies is behind me. Well, you're very lucky. You're very lucky than, than I am. Much more lucky than I am. And, of course, uh, we have uh, joining us after his break last week, Lytton Lewis is back in the fold. Welcome back, Lytton. Hey, back here for our first episode of The Spookening. This is our yes. first Halloween episode. We will be doing two of them. And uh, I, I guarantee our second episode, the focus will be much better. The series that we'll be looking at is <laughs> is uh, much stronger and more enjoyable for all parties involved. So uh, look forward to that one. Uh, Poltergeist is what is That'll... coming up next. Uh, that will be much nicer. Uh, I don't. Did I even say what the name of the one we're doing today was? I think I just. We said have not. Bad. We're we are leaving them yeah. hanging. So let's let's keep them let's keep them wondering if we watch the Wishmaster movies or something, uh, which we did not. That's for another time. Would, uh, but before honestly, we do I would have preferred the Wishmaster. <laughs> but I, before I, we do I've that, watched the Wishmasters, and I I do have a lot to say on those as well. <laughs> I don't know if they're but, worse than this one, but but no. For today, today we jumped in and watched the Ghoulies franchise, which I will say, this is Lytton's fault. Lytton was the one who suggested these movies, so so we have him to thank slash blame for, for all of our troubles the past couple weeks. You know, Tim, I was going to lead you into your drink, but now I don't think I will. You, uh, you're you like, oh, well, I'll give it to you, and then you can lead me into your drink, but now you're just throwing me under the bus on Ghoulies, so uh, <laughs> you talk about your own fucking drink. I will. Well, I needed to make the drink to forget forget the pain. Uh, this is, and uh, it just looks fucking disgusting. This is the toilet bowl, mm. and it is basically just all the liquor that I had in my cabinet mixed together. So it's uh, there's gin, vodka, whiskey, so like standard stuff. Then uh, some crumb to the menthe, making a return from our twenty eight days and weeks later episode. Uh, there's some uh, grenadine. Uh, some Slivelwitz, which is like a plum brandy, which is gross. And then, uh, oh man, I'm blanking on the name. Something else that's essentially licorice flavored and it's awful. So it's just, it's just a glass full of awfulness that I'm drinking today. That is quite green, which is very fitting for these ser uh, this series. Yeah, it, when the light hits it right, it's green, but it's also just kind of like a really sickly black in most cases. Anyway, I'm going to be real fucked up because there's a lot of alcohol in that. Uh, let's start as best we are able to with just a quick rundown of the series. And this is probably one where I think we agree it's not worth running down each individual entry. So, Lytton, if you want to start us off with uh, a quick rundown. Yes. So, I chose the Ghoulies series. We were talking about what we wanted to do for the two Halloween episodes. And I thought it would be fun if we looked at, like, one series that was famous or, you know, somewhat famous and had quality entries. 
and just do a flat out bad series as well. And I, and, and I also want to mix things up with lesser known series. So we aren't just always doing heavy hitters. So that's kind of where it came from uh, landing on this one. I was aware of the Ghoulies series. We often kind of make a joke about it and like incorporate it into different things when we parody stuff on Robot. But if you're unaware of it, Ghoulies is, I'll talk more about this later, but can be argued a knockoff Gremlins, but there's a little bit more to it, surprisingly. Um, but so they're just like little monster creatures. It's part of that spate of mo- tiny monsters that came about in uh, in the 80s and 90s. So you had you know, Gremlins, obviously the most famous. But you had Ghoulies, you had Munchies, you had Hobgoblins, Critters, Space Invaders, Troll and Troll 2, Leprechaun, Puppet Master. You could even extend that out to like Chucky and any other killer doll movies could be considered in the same kind of vein. So E.T. if you look, uh, <laughs> E.T. would predate all of this. <laughs> E.T. would be part of, you know, the like... Uh, famous uh, puppetry effects and stuff of the 80s. But but yeah, so a lot of these like little monstery creatures that are attacking people, sometimes more serious than others, sometimes more playful than others. So that's what Ghoulies is all about. And I, uh, there are four of these movies. They are all bad, pretty much uniformly bad with almost no redeeming qualities. And to just stress my point, um, I believed I had never watched any of them, which our co-host Steve, who's absent on this one, was a little surprised at because I usually have at least seen the first entry in like longer running series. I'll you know check out the first one, see what it's all about. And I was convinced I had never seen any of the Ghoulies movies. And then I was looking these up on some like movie tracking sites I use. And I apparently had watched the first and the second one because they were part of like a two disc set. And it was probably like 15 years ago, like got a Netflix DVD. And I remembered nothing about it because there is nothing (laughs) memorable about these movies in the slightest. So I had no memory of it for watching them or of anything like, oh, yeah, that one scene where this happens. Nothing. There was nothing that stuck in my brain from watching two of these movies. And hopefully that will happen in the next 15 years that these will be wiped from my brain once again. So that yeah, is can, uh, my introduction to the Ghoulies films. We can look forward to five years from now when Linton suggests, hey, you know what we should do for franchise? We should watch the Ghoulies movies. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Eric, uh, how about your rundown? Is there anything you want to add? Apart from the fact that they're all bad, um, I mean, I guess going a little deeper, they're all bad and all seem to have a, an identity crisis at the same time. Um <laughs> Because, yes, they're all bad, and they they attempt different things in different movies, but never succeed uh, in doing whatever they're trying to do, whether it's, you know, injecting more humor or focusing more on the ghoulies' as characters. Um, and then, you know, in the third one, they just try to make it some sort of, like, Animal House horror movie where they put them in college, and <laughs> which, the title of which I was most looking forward to that one. Um, but I mean, yes. we'll get into later, I guess, why it was particularly bad, but, um, yeah, the first one frustrated me to no end, even though it was probably the most quality made one in terms of production. Um, but it just frustrating to watch. I just, I just couldn't stand it. It's rough. Um, yeah. 
I will say, since you brought up the third one, the most enjoyable part of all these movies to me was when I started the third movie and the title came up and it was Ghoulies Go to College. That was the most genuinely enjoyable Actually, part. Tim, the title is Ghoulies 3, Ghoulies Go to College. You gotta get Ghoulies in there twice. Yes, this is definitely a series that deserves us getting all of the facts correct. Yeah, I... I there really isn't all that much to add, because yes, these are all really bad movies. The only other thing I will say is, they're, none of them are long. They all are uh, like 90 minutes or less, or so we're told, but no amount of evidence will convince me that that is true, because they all felt like an eternity. They, they, like feel, was... they feel like they're three hours long, just because you are so uninvested in anything that's happening. Every single movie, I was constantly checking the runtime and going, "You, th there is no way it has only been three minutes. There is no way. I have aged 10 years. And considering this is 2020, that means I've aged 30 years. Like, it is not, it is not fun. But, ugh. So, we, we all hate this series. Um, but, uh, I do want us to start with the first one because... Uh, the first one, Lytton did have a little bit of a a scavenger hunt for us that both Eric and I failed. There is apparently some redeeming quality to the first movie uh, that he challenged us to find, and uh, my best guess was the super believable dialogue during the party, which... <laughs> Which, that was just, that was probably the thing that fury, infuriated me the most about the first one. And the second one was just, or not the second one, the third one. Which is how badly whoever wrote these movies understood human interaction and speech. Oh, you mean like when uh, the one 20-something-year-old dude at the party speaks with a child's voice. Only once, just a weird moment, and says, Toad Boy needs sweet meat for his tum. And then the movie just goes on with its day. There's no explanation. I, I feel like he used that voice again when he was talking to one of the girls. And I was just like, is this is this his way of picking up women? Is I may have like... blacked out at that point. It's hard to say. Uh, but that was my best guess. Eric, did you find anything that was redeeming? My only... I mean, the one guess I had for Lytton was the... Um... The attractiveness of Mariska Hargitay of SVU fame, who was like in her twenties in that movie, and she looks very good. And is also, I found out, the daughter of Jane Mansfield. That's a nice bit of trivia. He said, yeah. "No, that's not it." Uh, <laughs> although I actually, yeah, I actually like wasn't crazy about her or anything. I mean, I, I'm aware of her from, uh, you know, what you said, SVU, right? So yeah, that's what she. I mean, I've obviously like caught random episodes, um, but yeah, that uh, you know. I think, fine. yeah, the only other part for me, you know, I did like the look of the monsters in the movie. They sometimes Same. look genuinely creepy, although, as I said before, they, they didn't really do much the whole movie, so they kind of were wasted. Um, so, I, yeah, I'm curious to know what your redeeming quality was, and I will argue vehemently against <laughs> whatever it is. Any other I hope guesses? he says the acting. I hope he says the acting. Any other guesses? Any any other last-ditch guesses before I unveil? Or maybe, maybe it's the creepy caretaker they introduce at the very beginning of the movie. Ignore him the entire runtime and then bring him back at the end as Not like, only the do they warlock. ignore him, he ignores the characters. And he's narrating <laughs> and seems to know what's going on. Lives on the grounds. 
and the whole time I'm thinking, why don't you do something? Because you know, we know that you were a part of this <laughs> magic coven. You know the risks of this guy coming here and toying with magic, and you don't even warn him. You don't even like step in at any point to say, "Hey, this isn't a good idea." And I know that, I'm, and I was thinking, like, I know they're going to bring in him as like a Deus Ex Machina, but it's like he should have done something beforehand, but he just doesn't do anything. <laughs> I should have known that they were going to bring him back, but I had so little faith in the competency of this movie that I really did just assume, oh, they brought him at the beginning to stare forebodingly into the distance, and that's it. Uh, it was not him, although he uh, he does have a little bit of interesting aspect to him. Uh, both of you might not have recognized him, because I don't think you're as much of a fan. I mean, I, I'm not a huge fan, but he's uh, he's very much a David Lynch regular. That's Jack Nance who uh, plays uh, one of, uh, I think it's Pete, Pete Martell in the original Twin Peaks series. And he is the lead character in Eraserhead. Very young That's in Eraserhead. Right. And oh, he also I, I has a small part in Blue Velvet. And I think he pops up in a few other David Lynch projects. He, he died some years ago, but he was in a lot of David Lynch movies. And he actually is like a legit good and quirky actor. He's wasted here, of course. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it, it, it was not Jack Nance. It was kind of interesting to see him in something outside of David Lynch. I was like, oh, okay, that guy. Uh, so, with no further ado, I will unveil... So that's the... Go ahead, Tim. Oh, oh, it wasn't... oh you said it wasn't... No, it was not. I mean, it was in... like I said, it was interesting to see him. But yeah, he, he hasn't given anything to do or made it out to be interesting in any way. Um, well, here, let me, let me give you a drum roll. Mm-hmm. I hear it. I'm just waiting for you to stop. Yeah, we're just waiting for you to stop. <laughs> okay, so, um, yeah, actually, the aspect that I feel is redeemable about the original Ghoulies is the score. The score, ladies and gentlemen. If you actually listen to the score independent of the film, it's actually kind of fun. It uh, has a nice little bounce to it. It's this, like, almost... I mean, it's, it's obviously not to the level of Gremlins, but it has a similar kind of vibe of this, like, playfulness to it. And not only is it kind of fun to listen to independent of it, it has some interesting lineage in terms of who is behind it. So one guy who I can't, uh, I can't recall offhand his name, I didn't write it down, but he's written a lot of other horror scores, which I, I after watching this again, or, you know, again, apparently... I realized, oh, I should I should uh, check out other stuff he's done because he has had a lengthy career scoring horror films. The only one that jumped out where it's like, oh, I know that score is he did Reanimator, which is a very fun score, although it's pretty much just a ripoff of uh, the Psycho score, but it's still fun. But the bigger aspect of this is, and I, and I knew this in advance because I worked through a number of um, composers in the last few years and like listened to kind of everything they've done for ones that I cared about. So that guy co-composed this with Shirley Walker. And Shirley Walker is one of the few Hollywood, uh, like uh, female Hollywood composers, especially at, at the time and probably still. I don't think there's a ton of notable ones, unfortunately. Um, but she, uh, so you, you've certainly heard her stuff in a handful of places. She worked a lot with Annie Elfman. She was also an orchestrator and conductor. So if you look at her credits, a lot of the time she was conducting scores for other composers or orchestrating them. And she did a lot with Elfman 
and other people. But then she also was composing scores on her own and some of the things notable that she did. She did a lot of superhero stuff. So she did the Flash TV show, which if you ever dig into that, actually has some pretty solid music. Like the, do you mean the current? No, no, no. The, she show? she died some time ago. Okay. She uh, in the two thousands, I think. No, she did the the like eighties TV show. So I think Danny Elfman did the main theme, and then she did like a lot of the music for the series. She gotcha. did a lot of the music for Superman the animated series. She co-composed Escape from L.A. score with John Carpenter, which is a pretty mm. sweet score. Um, and she did a number of other things. I know she did the movie Willard, which is a pretty good horror score. And she did like some of the Final Destination movies, which I listen to those and they're not really anything special. But the big one is she did a ton of the music for Batman, the animated series. It was like her. I was it was her and a couple of other composers. And a lot of the major themes that you associate, you know, with like I I don't know which ones offhand, but, you know, when you like, oh, there's the Joker theme, there's the Two-Face theme, there's the Mad Hatter theme. That's that show had so many themes tied to specific characters. So she did a lot of that. She did a lot of the music throughout the episodes. And Ghoulies, if you listen to the score independent of this movie and you listen to like the main theme, it could have easily fit into Batman, the animated series of being like, well, this is Tweedledum and Tweedledee's theme or this is, you know, the Mad Hatter or whatever. Like so. Uh, like I said, this was co-composed with the other guy, so I don't know exactly how much of her influence was there, but when you listen to the main theme, it's like, oh, that sounds so much like stuff from Batman the Animated Series. So, it is the score, yeah, I was, gentlemen. I was wondering if you were going to lead up to Batman. What, as soon as you said Superman the Animated yeah. Series, I was like, well, she would have had to have worked on Batman, too, because all, there was a lot of people Yeah, they kept, a lot of people they kept the same team, yeah. Uh, Eric, do you still want to uh, vehemently disagree with him? Uh, well, I, I don't. I don't think I can because I don't remember the. <laughs> I'll take, and I know that uh, it makes sense that it's on I, YouTube. Would say that mind. because yeah, because he tends to notice scores more than I would in a movie. So uh, yeah, I probably can't disagree. It's probably a good score because for me, I wouldn't be able to different, you know, yeah. separate it from the movie if I'm not enjoying the movie. Yeah, you um, can find it uh, so for, anyone, you. <laughs> for anyone listening. If you look it up, there's tons of music scores like on YouTube, and they, I guess, companies don't like seek them out to take them down in a lot of cases. But you can find all the tracks. I think it's it's short. It's maybe like six or seven tracks or something. And like I said, it's 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 fun. It's not, you know, we're not talking like John Williams Star Wars stuff here. It's just like like a fun, goofy horror score. So uh, you can track that down, especially if you like Batman the Animated Series and its music. And that concludes the most uh, in-depth scholarly portion of this podcast. Yes. Because that's about all there is to talk about uh, with any redeeming quality in this series. So... He ain't Are you talking lying. about the unredeeming qualities now? <laughs> well, actually, there is one more. There is one more rede- quasi-redeeming thing I'll throw out. And it kind of piggybacks off something you said, Eric, which is that... The design of the creatures is pretty mm-hmm. cool, um, and especially in the second one because it seemed like they improved on. Yeah, it I think slightly. they. I think they cleaned them up in the second one, and I noticed the look of them in the first wasn't bad, but I noticed no. like when their like mouths are moving, as particularly like there's like the fish one 
it's like scaly and stuff and they call it like the fish ghoulie or something it had a lot the toilet bowl one? yeah it had a lot more yeah. of like a kermit the frog hand in the mouth kind of look where it's like his face gets like scrunched up and it's like well that's clearly somebody's thumb right there but in that's the, not easy being a demon yes but in the second one it seemed like they had improved on the puppetry and it's the same basic design so i don't know if they just modified the puppets or they like remolded them or they got better puppeteers so i, I would say that the, yeah. the puppetry stuff of two if the movie wasn't dog shit it uh it actually like looks fairly good for the time yeah and yeah like, i mean I, or, the or design period. is cool and I will say, like, especially compare, you know, you mentioned that this is kind of, kind of like, could be seen as a knockoff of Gremlins and even the other kind of monster movies that came in the wake of Gremlins, like Critters and Trolls and stuff like that. Gremlins, they give them some differentiating looks and personalities, but for the most part, the basic design is the same across the board. I did like that there was a variety sure. of designs with these creatures, which is something that you didn't see in a lot of the other similar type of monster movies of that era. So that is another point I will give yeah. in this franchise's favor. So I think it has, like, two points and i think that's it yeah like the the critters yeah. <laughs> all look identical i think and then the like troll 2 is notoriously bad and poorly put together but i think all those have the exact same faces except one that stands out is like a weirdly different but yeah mo you're right most of them do i mean gremlins does dig in and differentiate but they do that more in the second one because in the first yeah. one they kind of all look more or less the same and then there's uh spike and he stands out but in the second he's the lead group. yeah but in the second one they went hog wild with it and made them all look very different and changed them up and which helps the second one significantly um but yeah the uh so if you haven't seen it there's like a i, I they actually have them listed on wikipedia by name somebody did a chart of which ghoulies were in which movies and put this on wikipedia so that's somebody's well, life out there but how many different how many different ghoulies were there then? well because i know there were like four in the second one i think and then when they got to the third one they did it down to three and they were essentially like a really bad three stooges yeah routine. i'm not gonna i'm not gonna look it up but from memory it was like they had <laughs> like they had like a fish ghoulie which is the greenish <clears throat> toilet one there's one called the rat ghoulie which is like a rat face there's a cat one mm -hmm. that looks vaguely cat-like and then there was one kind of flying one that like uh, you know had like bat wings i don't think you ever get it was a, real... a weird rat bat yeah you don't really get a clear shot of its face i don't think and then there's a couple other like extra fish ones the second one had like a giant ghoulie, a ghoulie supreme. Um, yeah, and then by the third one, they just boil it down to kind of the central three. So the first movie has like a few others that are only kind of tangentially around. And then we'll talk about what they do with the fourth one. Let's let's save that. But <laughs> yeah, uh, okay. Ugh. All right. So uh, yeah, let's dig more into. Uh, let's go. You know, movie by movie. We've talked a bit here, overarching. But what do we have to say on Ghoulies One? I, I have the most gripes about Ghoulies One. Um, <laughs> go on. <laughs> we've talked about uh, the Ghoulies looking good but not really doing anything. Um, I think. 
they focus too much of the plot on the guy learning to summon the ghoulies and do magic, and that's it's all really lame and boring. And he he summons one at the party that we see that no one else sees, and we think, uh oh, now a ghoulie's out, but we don't see another one or them doing anything for another like 30, 40 minutes or something. The rest is just like him around the house uh, and causing relationship problems because he's learning black magic. Um, so there's, there's that mistake of just generally the plot not really revolving around the ghoulies or giving them any kind of mythology at all because we don't really know what they are, how they differentiate from the two uh, dwarf characters that are summoned who seem to know about magic. And yeah. It's all very vague. We don't know what the ghoulies are supposed to be, what what their function is. He just summons them and they do, you know, I guess they're supposed to be his minions, but they just kind of do whatever they want, I guess. Um, so that that was really a big problem I had. Um, obviously, like, yeah, the, the, the groundskeeper character who just doesn't do anything, but you he narrates at times, so he seems to know what's going on. He knows everything um, that's going to happen and does nothing. And, and just waits till the end. And then when he does do something, another, like, the end bit, when he's trying to save the day, and the protagonist or the main guy is trying to fight the, the evil wizard and fails, and the other guy comes in and they're grappling, and the, the protagonist is just standing there. And they're kind of just, like, holding each other. And he could, you know, he's still got that trident thing. He could try to whack the evil wizard in the head, but he just stands there. <laughs> and then the, the roof starts caving in, and the, the good wizard tells him to leave. He doesn't. He just stands there. And then uh, and then we get, I mean, I, I, I guess we're skipping to the end, but a big problem also. You're not, is, you're not missing much. <laughs> right. It's just, like, him learning magic and then whatever. And then... So, his girlfriend essentially breaks up with him because of all his crap, and rightfully so. And then he uses magic to lure her back to the mansion in order to do his final magic thing where he's going to get all this power. And then over the course of the evening, all their friends die. Um, and then and then the evil wizard makes them zombies after they die, and it's some sort of curse. And then the curse is lifted at the end, but they're not just corpses again. They're alive again somehow which I didn't understand because the ghoulies yeah. killed them, not the curse. So I was like, well, that that's just stu- that's that's too neatly wrapped up. And then I'm thinking at the end, like, they're driving away after all this has happened. Everyone's alive and good. They're not even, like, bloody and cut up anymore, like the, 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 the dead friends. They're just, they're fine. And then I'm thinking to myself, like, like she's still going to break up with this guy, right? Because he basically <laughs> used magic after she broke up with him to bring her back got all her friends killed and then magically everything was fine at the end but not to his credit he didn't do anything he he continued to stumble around and, and make bad decisions and then i'm thinking like she's gotta like just just be done with this guy anyway right like even though they kind of lucked out um so which i guess for me was answered in part four because they didn't continue the this guy's character till the fourth installment what else? There was a couple other. Well, then the then the ghoulies show I... up at the very end, and it's this ah, they're here in the car with us, but it's presented the final jump scare. Yeah, but it's presented Road as trip. like as zany, and I think the characters all scream. So it's not even presented as like like the end of Friday the Thirteenth when Jason pops out of the water and stuff. It's it's not even meant to scare you. I mean, it's hard to ar- it's hard to argue anything in these movies are meant to scare you, but 
it's also sort of like, all right, but the ghoulies hardly did much of anything before. Are they going to kill them? Not. And then the rest of the movies don't really ever address that for the most part. Um, so, you know, you've, you've think... just watched an hour and a half or an hour and 20 minutes of... Oh, well, th- well, that's one aspect that I think makes uh, is, a, is a good commentary on all of these movies is that the... St- and Eric addressed this somewhat. The stakes in these movies are incredibly unclear. Like what characters want, what the evil characters want, what our protagonists want. Occasionally, like in the second one, it becomes a little more clear. And in the third one, there's some stuff like college level junk of we're trying to win this prank war and it's like i guess all right but for the most part like like at least in all of them even in those movies at least half the major players you're just sort of like i don't i don't know what the ghoulies are trying to achieve i don't know what these evil shadowy people are trying to achieve so you're just the movies feel incredibly aimless which is why i think they feel so long because there's plenty of bad movies where like okay this is a junky thing but it's very paint by numbers xyz i see like this guy's trying to get this and he's, he has to get this stone and this stone's gonna unleash whatever it's like you just don't even know what the characters want what their goals are what we're working toward as an audience and that's established quite well in the first movie so yeah and I, I, I also didn't know how old the characters were supposed to be for a very long time in the first one because in the first scene he he's inheriting this house He's wearing like a Letterman jacket, and I'm like, is he supposed to be in college? But he looks like he's 40, and the woman looks younger, but not like college age. And then it goes, and they have a party, which looks like it could be a college party, but also just maybe a, a young-ish person's party. And it's not until he actually says, oh, I'm going to drop out of school, you know, to pursue his magic, <laughs> that I'm like, oh, he's supposed to be like 20 years old. He does not look like he's 20 years old, but I guess we're going to go with that. And that's exactly where she should have broke up with him. Because if anyone ever tells their significant other, I'm going to drop out of school or I'm going to quit my job so I can perform magic, that's a red flag. Well, he doesn't even say magic. That's what he ends up doing. But I think he just says he's going to like clean up the house or something. Like He just starts working on the house. Like, that's he his does. Goal. That was something that I thought was weird because, like, so he makes a big point of, oh, I'm going to clean the house up. We're going to get this house ready. But they already had a bunch of their friends over. So was the house, like, so why are you having people over in a near-condemned home that might have asbestos or whatever that you need to clean up, but you're going to have all your friends come over and trash it in a party anyway? But I think that goes... I think that goes to what you were saying, Eric, how, like, all of these movies have that identity crisis. Like, it doesn't know... None of them know what they want to do. And, like, with the first one, you brought it... Uh, or you or Lytton brought up the dwarfs. Because he, he calls the ghoulies. And the ghoulies are supposed to kind of be minions. But at the same time, the ghoulie... Like, you know, you mentioned, the ghoulies are doing their own thing. So then he has to summon dwarfs, these, like, dwarf characters to be his minions on top of the other minions he already summoned. So there's just, there's no consistency or at least there's no, there's no, it doesn't seem like there's any plan on the movie's part on how any of the various things they've introduced are supposed to uh, interact with one another. It's, it's so, it's so maddening. (laughs) It's, it's just, the word for it is bad. 
<laughs> yes. It, Careless. Yes, it's not just bad. Like, there are lots of bad things out there, but I think one of the things that, that struck me the most with these movies is they're bad in the worst way imaginable. Because there's bad where it's like, oh, it's incompetent, it's not done very well, but you can at least see that there was some sort of intention or idea behind it that the filmmakers were going for with with these movies there's there's nothing to latch onto there isn't even like a hope of an intention to latch onto for what they were trying to do with these movies so what's weird is and uh anyone who had come to these movies if you saw it uh like a you know an old vhs box at your um you know movie rental place when you're growing up or anything or if you were to come across it on streaming or anywhere else you would see the the image the 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 poster image that they use which we can talk more about later of there's a ghoulie popping out of a toilet and it's this green fish ghoulie with like teeth and stuff so if you were to see that you would most likely jump to oh this is clearly a knockoff gremlins because i have never heard of this movie they're these little green monsters Mm -hmm. it's gremlins ghoulies very similar sounding name and you wouldn't be wrong in thinking that and i would say the rest of the series you could definitely make the case that the reason the rest of them continue to exist was probably because there was gremlins and gremlins 2 and all those other little monster movies but the funny thing is if you dig into it ghoulies was actually being made concurrent with gremlins so it was not a ripoff of gremlins they were filming roughly the same time i read apparently like warners tried to sue ghoulies to get it to stop i don't know that they would really have any kind of justification because like yeah they're like little green monsters but like the plots are different it's not a a one-to-one knockoff but but they were apparently filming concurrent and then Ghoulies, unsurprisingly, had financial difficulties, so they had to shut down the production, and then they no. then they got back up and running. And so Ghoulies did not get released until um, 1985, when Gremlins was 1984. So on its face, it then looks like just a total ripoff of Gremlins, but in actuality, it's just a very incompetent version of Gremlins that was filming at the same well, that, time. Yeah. That almost makes it worse, because if it was just made as a ripoff of movies, at least you could go, oh, they just wanted to ride the coattails of this other super successful movie. But if it was just, if it had nothing to do with it, and it was made concurrently, that just means that someone believed so strongly in this non-idea that they actually went through and filmed it. I don't know if they believed so strongly, but I think they assumed it could be profitable, which... I mean, they made four of them, so it must have been to some degree. Well, right. And then when you think about like what, you know, because if it's a, if it's a dumb script, but you still have these like puppet creatures that could, on its face, make it popular, but then you don't even really use them in the movie that much. Um, so like that doesn't make sense. So I, I think whoever wrote this script probably did believe that it was something good, despite you know. Yeah all of that I, I, and from what i read the the toilet bowl cover <laughs> was like a promotional idea after they made the movie and there's some debate on whether that shot of the ghoulie emerging from the toilet in the movie was was put in after when they made the poster or it was already in there i i guess i could believe either one and there's an alternate cover in which the ghoulie is wearing like suspenders coming out of the <laughs> toilet which which really makes you think that they're trying to make this like a goofy gremlins type movie <laughs> 
because they don't wear suspenders. <laughs> so, like, they just even made it more so, like, oh, this is going to be a fun... It's for the kids, which it's so not. <laughs> yeah, like, you, know they, you know what the kids love? Suspenders. <laughs> yeah, it's like... A goofy, ghouly creature. That's like, yeah, I don't, I don't understand. I would definitely believe that it was something that was done after the fact because it was just like a quick thing in the first movie, and then in part in the second and third movie, they there's such, yeah, there's such an emphasis on that particular fishy ghouly coming out the, the toilet. toilet. We gotta I, put the toilet I, as a major part. Well, of the that's funny you say that. I can actually comment on that because I did look up some trivia on all four of the ghoulies entries. There's not a whole lot, but there's why? There's, why do you hate yourself this? Because much I'm on a podcast. And I want to entertain people, Tim. <laughs> So, anyway, uh, yeah, so from what I read, the shot of the ghoulie coming out of the toilet, it was simply just for the poster promotional image. And then once they had that, they supposedly went back and shot a moment in the film, like, you know, when ghoulies are, like, showing up or emerging or something. And so it's like, all right, well, we'll tie this back to the poster. The ghoulie doesn't actually do anything. It just comes out of the toilet, and then we just cut to another scene. And aren't, aren't, aren't the ghoulies in that moment emerging, like, in a certain spot, and this one's just coming into the bathroom or something? I don't remember if it's, like... I, I, I doubt know. I paid enough attention to know, to answer that question, Eric. But, <laughs> in, from what I read, in the second one, uh, apparently there were people who were bothered that the poster promised, oh, ghoulies coming out of the toilet... And so people apparently were like mildly pissed off that you didn't actually have a monster attacking someone on the toilet. I, I don't know that anyone could have been that invested in ghoulies to like do a letter <laughs> yeah, writing say, campaign. Like, that's the one thing it was missing. Like, oh, if they'd only given us that, it would have been a, a slam dunk can of a movie. You, can you imagine being so into ghoulies that you are upset that the movie did not? I was invested in this. Poster? so anyway so so apparently uh, you know apparently word got back to the producers or maybe in like maybe those little like comment cards when they would have reviews you know people seeing the movie i don't know whatever it was maybe horror fans you know in fangoria were writing in letters and shit who knows but basically from what i read that made them in the second one actually have a ghoulie attack someone on the toilet which does happen it's the same fish ghoulie and so there's this uh, sequence where it's like building up to it and then he attacks this guy but it's all like off screen so it's kind of like you just hear this guy yell so it's sort of like oh uh, why what and then by the third one which we'll dig in more coming up they go all in on the toilet aspect and now not only do we have the fish ghoulie pops out of the toilet in the first and in the second one it like attacks and i think I think kills somebody in the third one. Like when they are summoning the ghoulies, they have this sort it's a, of, it's a poor, yeah, they have like this grimoire grimoire thing. That's like, it's like a grimoire that's been printed as a comic book, you know, part of the wonderful mythology of these films, but it's that, but then there's some sort of like a little mini toilet, but they make it all look, like ancient like it's supposed to be as though a toilet existed like 500 years ago and it has all sorts of like <laughs> made of bones yeah it's like got like runes <laughs> and shit on it. anyway so they they like i don't know somebody comes across that or finds that it's like buried in some wall or something but but basically it's like bubbling with green liquid and you know dry ice and everything 
And that's where the ghoulies emerge, but it's very much in the shape of an actual toilet like you would buy at Home Depot. So it's not just like some kind of goblet or some kind of portal. It's like the ghoulies now come from the toilet. That's where they exist. They're, they're toilet monsters, I guess. Yep. Checks out. Checks out. I mean, I will say, like, move it, move as so we can move on yeah. through the rest of the series. I will say that the second one, if I had to pick the best entry of the series, it would probably be the second one. If only because I think the second movie has the best idea, even if it doesn't actually execute and do anything with it. The idea of these ghoulies getting swept up and taking, like, you know, making a haunted house attraction in a carnival their home base. That's a good idea. Like, that's a really fun idea to, to play with, where you have these demonic creatures hanging out in a haunted house wrecking havoc on a carnival. That's a really cool premise to build a movie around. But then the movie doesn't do it. Like, the movie does nothing to actually capitalize on the promise of a pretty stellar premise. And, and in that, that premise, so yeah, the, the ghoulies are in this haunted house... And so there's sort of this, they're playing with the idea of people think it's just all part of the fun show and that this haunted house is great. And I, I don't particularly buy it, but at least makes sense within the context of the film. But then you also have some pretty clear stakes where this like rich Jared Kushner like asshole of my father will hear about this shows up <laughs> at, uh, at this rinky dink carnival and they're going to change things because the carnival isn't making enough money and he's going to fire a bunch of people and close a bunch of the attractions. One of the attractions is this carnival or is this a haunted house within the carnival. And you have this old man and a young kid who sort of run it. And so they're worried about being shut down and the ghoulies showing up, which they aren't aware of for a little while, end up uh, contributing to that having some un. Uh, so, so, some surprising success. So there actually are some pretty clear stakes of here's what this character wants. Here's what the villain wants. Mm -hmm. Here's what our quote unquote heroes want. Here's the dramatic irony of what's going on kind of thing. So it's probably the clearest of all four in that you can follow the plot. It's still bad, but it's kind of more of a normal bad movie at that point. Yeah. 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 I think, yeah. Like thinking about the premise and how you, there was even potential for like emotional investment because you have these two characters who are definitely the underdogs and they're kind of like the ghoulies are a gift and a curse because here's something that can save your business, but also they're killing people. <laughs> um, and I don't, I can't remember exactly if it's ever, it's not really a choice that's made to like have these ghoulies be in this haunted house and that'll like drum up business. It's just something that happens. Yeah, right. But of course, if that, if it was something where, the the young kid ended up making that choice and it, and then you know the the old guy his partner ends up dying and if if it was a moment where like the kid his like i guess it's his uncle i think ended up dying because of the choice he made in order to save the business i mean that that would make more sense as like yeah like um a, a, I a dramatic thing to happen in the movie and then when the old guy dies you would actually like maybe like feel something about it 
Ghoulies, <laughs> Ghoulies Two. No, make no mistake. Ghoulies Two is still a bad movie, but I think it is the movie that were, would require the least amount of fixing to make a good movie. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's enough elements there that you could work with to like because if because it takes the idea of these demonic ghoulies and puts them in a situation where it 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 felt the closest to kind of aping off that gremlins vibe where you have these dangerous creatures but in a situation where they can kind of wreck havoc and mischief in a fun way that you can work around and still make a fun movie Mm-hmm. But the, the the filmmakers still just like just like with the first movie and all the movies, there's this identity crisis where they they don't actually know what they want to do with the pieces that they have. And yeah, and I, I had a similar feeling when I was watching it because I was like, well, are these is this going to be like a fun tone with the ghoulies because or is it going to start actually trying to be scary because they're going to start killing people. And there's a moment when, like, they, they're, like, torturing someone in the haunted house, and there's, like, an audience watching, thinking it's all fake. And then the, the, the ghoulies do something, and the audience starts cheering and clapping, and I'm thinking, oh, are the ghoulies going to be aware that people enjoy what they're doing? And then the two of the ghoulies, like, high-five. That was, that was like... And I was like, oh, that's a really fun moment. And I think, <laughs> yeah. okay, now we're going into this territory, but then it, it doesn't really kind of keep to that. It just, it just tails that, off. No, that part actually... It's, it's all over the place. That part genuinely made me laugh when the crowd erupts <laughs> into, like, cheering, and the ghoulies, like, just high-five, and it's like, yeah, we got it! And it, like... <laughs> Even though these movies are total dog shit, that was a moment where if you hit that kind of tone throughout the majority of them, yeah, I mean, you you would be on the right path. Because that's one aspect. These movies try to be funny, all four of them, and the humor is horrible. It is just the most, just bottom of the barrel, like, just stupid jokes. There's a lot of, um, like, sound effects, like, whoop! Like like Looney Tunes type sound effects and things yeah. that are inserted on. So it we'll, we'll talk when we let's 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 save it till the end to wrap up. But we'll talk about the potential audience for these films. But but yeah, yeah. the uh, but the humor in these movies is so bad. But that was one part that I thought like okay, what they're trying to achieve in this actually is kind of funny. Like they actually succeeded in a mo- moment that was funny. And if the Gremlins did this this would be like one of the funnier moments in a gremlins movie. So like I did enjoy Mm. that moment as well. And I think, and I think the, I think the third movie is a really good example. Well, I have a couple other things on the second, but if you're moving on. Okay. Well, go ahead. Cause I want to move on to the third one. So let's hit yours. yours The only things that I had uh, just remaining on the second that just stood out to me is at one point, so these people are going through the haunted house and you have like some young kids and they're you know, wanting to see these monsters everyone's talking about because they all think it's like animatronics or something. Um, but one kid just has a fucking throwing star. Like just this like 12 year old kid just pulls out a throwing star at one point and he just has it in his pocket and throws it at one of the ghoulies. And I don't know if that was like part of a panic of the 80s because I remember vaguely this idea of kids in like ninja weapons with like the ninja turtles but this movie was like 88 so that's predated yeah ninja turtles. and, and mm-hmm. i i defer to tim on that i'm sure he knows so but yeah I, it uh <laughs> it, it was just a very bizarre moment there was nothing i don't like he didn't win it at the carnival that we were seeing or anything so it's just this kid just walking around with a throwing star 
And then the only other bit that jumped out, we talked about the puppetry being improved, but I did notice in the opening when the ghoulies first show up, they're like re-summoned by other cultists or something. Uh, the uh, the mammal ghoulies, so not the fish ghoulie, but the rat ghoulie and the cat ghoulie have genitalia now. So uh, we get we get that. Oh. I I did not know. <laughs> yeah, notice. it was like I'm I'm. I'm really glad that Litton has an eye and is on the lookout for what creatures hey, have genitalia. Hey, these characters Thank are you. walking across Thank the screen, and I'm like, is that what it looks like? <laughs> and so, yes, I paused and went back, and was like, yep, that's they, they, they made that on the Ghoulies. He had to get a good look at it. All right, so on to, on to Ghoulies I, I, 3. Well, I, actually, one more thing I will say, because you brought up, like, the cat Ghoulie, the the meowing sound that they used constantly in the second movie was just the fucking worst. I hated that sound. Like, I have cats, and one of my cats meows constantly. She is incessantly trying to have conversations with us. But the the noises that whatever this thing was trying to make, it was awful. It was the most infuriating ingratiating sound like it was just it was so grating and i hated it and if there was that would be the first thing i would do to fix the second movie is get rid of that sound effect because every time every time they made that like i i almost stopped the movie and was like you know what maybe i don't need to watch these for the podcast like well it's intended to be cat-like because it's not actually a cat it's a demon cat but trying to scare you with the cat-like sound sure but like compare that to the grudge which i think was able to make a similar kind of not quite cat but a cat meow sound effect really Mm -hmm. effective this is just like i got my five-year-old to pretend to be a cat for a few minutes and we're going to use that sound effect for the whole movie (laughs) (laughs) and since he wrote the script i i owe him that (laughs) But yeah, so so that's the second one, and we we were talking about how how badly the movies are at trying to be funny. They clearly want to have a sense of humor, but they don't know what humor is. And I think the third movie is a really good example of that because, Ooh. like I, I mean, like I said, when Ghoulies Three Ghoulies Go to College popped up on the screen, I was laughing like that was a genuinely. <laughs> I, I think for me. yeah i was like really excited because <laughs> i was like oh they're gonna give me exactly what i want which is this a completely ridiculous plot what? and i know it's gonna be bad but it might be fun bad yeah <laughs> it, it reminded me of the the story how when uh when universal was looking to continue the jaws franchise the idea that was put forth by like the original producers for the third one was jaws three people zero and they wanted to do like a yeah. parody they wanted to like go in the comedic route to to keep everything fresh, and the, and Universal said no, we're not doing that. It probably so would have been up, better. I was like, okay, yeah. It, yeah, it probably would have. So when when Ghoulies Go to College showed up on my screen, I was thinking like, okay, so maybe maybe they figured it out. Maybe they realized that this shit isn't scary, and they're gonna lean into the comedy aspect, and it could be good. And they definitely did lean into the, quote, comedy aspect, but they don't know what comedy is. And I think, like, the fact that they centered it around, like, this prank week, or they didn't even call it prank week, they, ca- they, kept, they kept calling it something else. 
Like Yanks, Yank Week. Well, I think it was called Prank Week, but they kept referring to pranks. Yeah, as yeah. which is just it, weirdly it confusing. Kind of confusing. I know they were, they were calling it pranks or yeah, yeah. It, it was really annoying. I'm giving up like, Yanks. Uh, <laughs> I'm not doing any more Yanks. Oh, he's the king of Yanks. He's gonna play and, a great Yank today. Yeah. <laughs> and they and all the people involved in these pranks are just presented as the most unlikable people. And it kind of like it kind of like made me realize like you know what this is why April Fool's Day is one of my least favorite holidays because you get all these kind of people coming out of the woodwork that don't understand how pranks really work and just like well if we annoy people that's good enough and, and the there's also <laughs> like really unrealistic pranks happening I think in the opening one like he he unscrews the mop of the janitor who's mopping the concrete for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why he would fuck with this laborer anyway. Like I don't, he has no stake in all of this. But he so the guy the mop gets stuck and like the the mop bucket flies down the stairs, stays upright, and then like I think someone falls into it and keeps rolling down the street. Like it's just the most unbelievable thing. That's like you couldn't have planned that from the beginning. You probably were just wanting this guy to like take his mop out and just be the stick <laughs> and laugh at him, I guess. But then just some wild zany shit happens. And that's like the yeah. first thing, one of the first things we yeah, see. Yeah, we get, we get lots, and, whole, like, lots this... and lots of zany hijinks, all caps, throughout this movie. When like, and the central conflict for the main character, like the protagonist that we're supposed to be rooting for is this, is this college student. So he is, I would assume, an adult. He's over the age of 18 and he is conflicted over whether to choose a relationship with this girl that he likes or pulling pranks on other people. And that's presented like this super difficult, insane choice for someone to make. Like, do I want a fulfilling relationship or do I want to keep throwing water balloons at people? <laughs> uh, it's so hard. <laughs> it's just such an asinine conflict yeah. to get us to believe in and, and, and yeah. <laughs> but the movie the movie pre 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 presents that part with the straight face and that's what like it'd be one thing if the if it was like a wet hot american summer type thing where the movie is recognizing how ridiculous these characters are but they it doesn't it's like this is presented as a genuine conflict where uh, is he gonna choose the girl or is he gonna choose throwing whoopee cushions on chairs? Like it's it's such right. a bananas conflict to buy so, into. And like and like the, the college presents it as a thing because there's a banner that says it's prank week. So like, but it, it only seems like these two frats seem to care about it. Like, and if like it'd be one thing if he was like on the football team and he had to choose football or the girl, where it's like a whole crowd of people like cared but it's just like it seems like only these two groups of college guys that they and, focus on are invested in this prank week even though it seems to be a, a school sponsored thing and at one point <laughs> at one point i wonder like i wondered if at s somewhere along the line this was meant to be a parody of that kind of animal house college life because like they go to do the panty raid and the girls in the sorority are onto it so they kind of ambush them and prevent them from getting the candies and they take their their boxers and everything and like there are various points in the movies where it 
it, it seems like the movie is is walking right up to lampooning that kind of fraternity hijinks college life and comparing it to the ghoulies because the ghoulies do once the ghoulies get summoned the three of them in their really bad three stooges routine they do their own panty raid and they kind of go into their own college hijinks and like at a certain point yeah. i was wondering if there was supposed to be some kind of message where that mentality was ghoulish but then the movie still continues to make romanticize that and make the people who engage in that the heroes as well not the ghoulies obviously but the other tim you are, are still you are heroes you so are just... out on the craziest limb i've ever heard you be on there is no <laughs> way anything deep whatsoever is going on in this film social commentary like, but, like, i, I want to bring was... this up anyway but tim gives me a great segue while he's like working on a thesis about ghoulies i needed 3. i needed to find something to latch onto by the time i got to the third movie because my brain was so to help prove down. my point that there's no satire or deeper thought going on the going on in this film for one thing the ghoulies now talk in these movies in this movie that that's new yep. um and there's a lot of just horrible lines and dialogue from the ghoulies but one choice one i wrote down was let's blow this poop stand that was one line of dialogue <laughs> that someone wrote down and then they filmed it. They thought, well, well this is good. We'll, we'll put this in the film. That's a good joke. That's a gag. So we had that. <laughs> and then the other ones we talked about, like there's a lot of zany sound effects and really bad comedy. But this movie in particular, especially once the ghoulies are now talking, we have tons of belching, farting, and crotch shots. That is what you are. Lots of. That's fart what you sounds. are getting all throughout this movie. And then the other thing you're getting all throughout this movie, which you did not get in the first two Ghoulies, is lots of tits. This movie has nudity everywhere. Yeah. It is it is playing hard into the college frat mentality of those kind of '80s comedies, um, and. Yeah, there's just so many sex scenes. I mean, it's it's all like played like playful and jokey, but there's a lot of sex scenes and then there are a ton of just scenes with nudity. So there's the panty raid scene, there's girls in the shower when the ghoulies attack. There's other times where women are naked. I mean, it's like as like fine for what it is, but it's just such a a shift when the first two movies were PG-13. And I think the first one maybe was originally an R and they paired it back. But I mean, there's hardly anything in the first one that you could even think like, oh, they're towing the line. Mm -hmm. This one, though, while it's not horrific or anything, they don't do anything like that. They go hard into sexuality and nudity and give it def a definite R. This It should be noted, this one and the fourth one were both direct to video, though this one was supposed to... This one Makes was supposed sense. to be in theaters and then ended up like, you know, somebody somebody thought better of it, I'm sure, and decided against it. But yeah, so that, that's what you're dealing with here is you, you have this very big tonal shift of the first two, I would not say are for kids. And we can delve more into this, but the first two you could at least argue are like they're pretty tame as far as like horror goes. And they're not like you could watch it with some older kids I don't think there's any nudity in the first two. There's probably some allusion to like sex and stuff, but this third one, they just go. They don't, there is some in. sex stuff in okay. the first one. Yeah. Do they actually have sex. Or they um, just talk about some. I think, well, there's that one dude who's always hitting on everyone. And then he does like, um, 
There's this moment where he has sex with one of the lady characters. Like, they get up out of bed, he's, like, shirtless, and then he goes downstairs, and the evil wizard is posing as a, a attractive okay. woman to lure him in, and he, like, goes for it. When he, like, he just finished having sex, and there's this woman standing in the darkness that he's never seen before, and he's like, oh, you know, it's just, like, this weird scene. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, sex is definitely a theme in the first one, even though I don't think they actually show any nudity or anything. I think it's more just some, like, kissing, but, yeah. Um, but yeah, and and not only that, but like the ghoulies become lecherous in the third one, which is something we didn't see in the. They other lean two. right into the college life. I think the first thing they do is just drink a bunch of beer. Yeah, like, like they don't even like establish what they even want to do. Yeah, like, again, they, they 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 never seem to have a purpose, but they kind of like just kind of like in the second one, they kind of just went with what was going on. They started killing people and saw that people were enjoying it, so they kept doing it. And this one, they I, I don't know if they seem to have a plan from the beginning because it seems like the the fish creature is the head one he seems to be well, yeah he was on the posters like... for the other two so he has yeah to so be he seems one. to be the leader although <laughs> he doesn't really establish a plan from the beginning they just start drinking beer and, and messing up the house and well, they, they are yeah, they are under they are under the thumb of this professor who's like oh yeah presented as like a villain who's i don't know he hates the prank war and okay that's somewhat understandable because he's the butt of these pranks but then he figures i mean they did burn his desk down right but but i'm saying that that's independent of like (laughs) he hates the prank war that's one thing but then he also seemingly knows about this occult shit and wants to have like monster creatures under his thought like it just kind of comes out of nowhere if he suddenly wants them like like i'll i'll control everything with them and so um and that's actually played by kevin mccarthy yeah. who is the guy yes. he was in a bunch of stuff character actor for years but the but the original invasion of body snatchers and he cameoed in the 70s one and it's just kind of sad to see him in this movie because i'm not saying he was never like a huge <laughs> yeah. star but it's still like he's better than this he shouldn't be in this yeah. he and then the way they i mean his performance is just so i mean i get the whole movie i guess is supposed to be zanning off the wall and he just like you know going going right for it and it's just yeah a crazy it's... ass villain and but then like at one point he says like because at the end he he absorbs i guess the ghoulies and and becomes this giant ghoulie that's got aspects of all of them and he looks all crazy and and he mentions that happening early in the movie where he's like i'm gonna absorb your power and your flesh if you like kill he wants me. that to happen and it like that's what he wanted to look like this crazy awful looking creature who apparently has some powers, but he... Well, I don't know if he wanted to happen, and I could be wrong because it's not like I was on the edge of my seat paying attention to this movie, but I I think it was presented as if they killed him, it it, it would just end up being he absorbed their power since he had summoned them. So they wouldn't be able to kill him, it would just be essentially creating this new mega ghoulie which even that is kind of like that's a fucking stupid rule if you're summoning demons that you know (laughs) they if they kill you they just get sucked into you but whatever well that's 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 just just shows how poorly clearly not a consistent mythology before before we move on to ghoulie (laughs) four i do want to say there was one moment of ghoulies three that i did kind of enjoy on just a a crazy ass horror comedy type of way that if this were in a better better film would be like oh it's pretty great but since it's in this horrible movie it's just kind of like 
yeah, I don't know. I still kind of liked it. So when the uh, ghoulies kill one of the girls in the shower, they like put a plunger on her face and then like stretch her face yeah. out and it like draws yeah. out like taffy. <laughs> and like the effect on it actually looks pretty good for what it is. And it's incredibly silly. <laughs> um, it's not like good again, but it's it, t- it took yeah. like a level of artistry to make it work that I was like, all right, I'll give you that moment. <laughs> yeah, it was unexpected. I'll give it that. I was like, oh, they're just, and she's dead now, I guess. Like, that's just how she died. Her face got stretched out. <laughs> but yeah, if, if we want to talk about, because this has been mentioned a couple times, if we want to talk about the idea of who are these movies for, I think the fourth one, I, so first off, I will say, the fourth one, I think, is the worst of this series. And I granted, all of the movies are bad. but at least, And I don't know if this is just because by the time I got to the fourth movie, I was just so burnt out on this bullshit. But I could not follow what the fuck the point of the movie was supposed to be. I had no idea what the plot was. I had no idea what the characters really wanted to be doing or accomplishing. At least with the first three, I understood what was supposed to be going on as poorly done as it was. The fourth movie, I was just in a constant state of... Ugh. And and again, like, the who is, who is that movie for? Because... None of the ghoulies from the first three movies are. Well, we it. haven't addressed so that any... yet. So, uh, so if you if you have not if you well, have not I, watched I, I... any of the ghoulies series, we've we've talked a good bit about the the monsters that have been in all of these, and they've kept the main three uh, across all three, and then other ones have come and gone. But in this fourth film, there are no little fish monsters. There's no cat or rat monster, and those were all done with puppetry effects and maybe a little bit of like stop motion, I think, at times. Um, but so all that's gone. And what we have in these are two little people actors in sort of like, uh, willow looking costumes. I was going to say it was like, poorly yeah, done it's, like, it's, it's, it's very, it's very like... kind of like fantasy star Warsy cloak kind of things with belts. So that kind of look and boots and that kind of thing. And then they have really bad, like, slightly above Halloween mask level masks on and they are the ghoulies that get summoned and there's never any explanation for, I mean, not that these movies have much explanation for anything, but there's never any explanation why it's these, like the movie could have at least been like, Oh, I need to summon different creatures for this purpose. It's like, they don't even try. It's just like, Oh, here are the ghoulies. Like they've always been. And, and I read that the reason that they, uh, they didn't have the puppets was because so the the first two ghoulies movies were made by like some particular director or whatever production uh company and then they sold it and so three and four i don't know if it's made by the same company but at three to four it's somebody different from the originals and it says according what i've seen was that they didn't they didn't have the puppets they had actors in costumes because Cinetel Films couldn't afford to use the puppet props of the original Ghoulies. So the one aspect of these films of like, oh, you're going to do a Ghoulies movie, so you need these Ghoulies puppets. And they actually are like, okay, puppets. Oh, we can't afford those. So we're just going to hire these little guys, and they're going to be our Ghoulies this time. So 
So first off... And they're going to talk, too, and they're going to be real funny, just always cracking <laughs> jokes. First off, um, <laughs> good on you, Litton, for doing research, because I refuse to do any research for these movies. Any assumption that I came up with watching yeah. it with was what I was going to go with. Yeah. So thank you like, for I would doing... assume I would, either they couldn't <laughs> afford it or whoever like had the rights to the puppets wouldn't give them to them and whatever. They just they just couldn't. But yeah, so they're, they're not using any of the original Ghoulies. So any like hardcore Ghoulies fans that might have been out there, this movie <laughs> isn't for them. There's like the the sophistication of the humor clearly hints at this is for kids. Like it's a very juvenile kid kind of humor and hijinks, but then also so many prostitutes, like prostitutes figure so heavily into whatever passes as a plot for this movie that it's just like, what is going on? What sensibility are you? There was one moment. It's like the level of joke writing sophistication is like only something little kids would laugh at. Because the effort is so bad, but it's all adult themes, so it's just really awkward. It's so weird. Like, there's this one moment where they just, for some reason, there's this one prostitute being picked yeah. on by a guy trying to take her money, and they go and save her. Exactly. I have the why? exact same question. Like, they, like the, ghoulies, the ghoulies like, save somebody, and there's no explanation given. And then they, they save her, and then, you know... She's grateful and hints of the fact that she's going to give them blowjobs or something. And then they kind of look yeah, at the camera like, ooh, and I'm like, I, I, I guess. Like, there's <laughs> definitely that oh, yeah, they, they, they heavily... And just like the third one, they're, <laughs> they... they're lecherous. They, they, they read yeah. a Playboy at one point. Like, they, they, yeah. it's following they, off yeah, they of heavily, the Yeah, they heavily imply she's yeah. going like, to fuck them because they just saved her. And they did legit save her because somebody was, like, threatening her with a knife or something. And then... Thankfully, they don't show this, although I genuinely wondered once it was raised, like, are we going to get this scene? Is the movie going here? But they don't show anything. But yeah, then later, it's just like never addressed again. The characters don't address, like the little ghoulies aren't like, ah, man, what a crazy night. Nothing. It's just not even addressed. And then later, they're looking at a Playboy, and I think they're like, like addressing it like, it, it seems so weird that later the Playboy came into it because they seem like they were like vaguely interested or trying to figure out when it's like, well, if the last scene that happened happened, like I think it did, then what's going on with this like playboy moment? Well, like, like I said, yeah, yeah. like I said, I didn't do any research on any of these goddamn movies, but the sense I got from the fourth one was it, they just found some random script that had to do with the occult and someone decided that they were going to in, like re-edit it and insert stuff to tie it into the Goonies franchise by including like the weird mispl- like weird misplaced flashbacks to the first movie because the mm-hmm. cop the cop is yeah. the guy from the first movie and there's never just, any indication in the first movie that he has any interest in being a cop so it's just like just oh he just cop. does this now and that's what I was saying like <laughs> it's evident that the the woman from the original movie did, in fact, break up with him for good because he doesn't mention her. Right. He's not, he has a different love interest, so I'm like, all right, at least that's satisfactory, even though well, has, it doesn't make sense that he would just become a cop. Three different love interests because he has the one ex who is trying to summon Faustus, like, trying to, like, summon, like, these dark satanic powers. He has another ex who is apparently his boss at the police station which 
again, I was tuning out for a lot of this. I have no idea if they actually established Tim, what that Tim doesn't believe is. women should they be in that. supervising <laughs> positions. That's what well, I, I they're like based on the conversations it seems clear that she no is, she is she is like supervisor they, they established she's guard. the captain she's yeah. she's the captain the, the, I, the I, I was canon saying, they have a they have a past relationship and they that's like, like the first conversation i don't even have, remember yeah. them them specifically saying she's the captain and if she is the captain none of her actions accurately reflect what being a so, police captain would uh, be. back <laughs> And then, and then there's, and and then there's the third. The protagonist every once in a while. Then there's the third love interest, the woman that he's currently seeing, who is in fact a prostitute, unless I yeah. misread the situation. I think, I think she is. Yeah. So again, they're really leaning into like prostitutes being a big part of this movie, and again, none of the way that they present these women accurately reflect what that kind of like what sex work is actually well did you like. come to this movie it's assuming just, it's just... something that would like present anything accurately <laughs> by by the time you make no but it, it, it just or were you thinking this is the one they get it they get it on this one yeah it's just it, uh, it was just it also didn't make sense that they would even if what you're saying is correct that this random script was just retooled to be a ghoulies yeah. movie the thought that they would assume that there's any cachet in the ghoulies name at this point would be a plus <laughs> it's I, like it's just all these things piling on top of each other so as i was watching this movie like i could i could feel brain death i could feel i could feel my brain just shutting parts down and going this is it there's <laughs> There's nothing else. So to on, on the yeah, on the uh, question, and, and the, do you have something, Eric? I was going to say I, it, it took me a while to figure out that the the ghoulies in this movie. Were I don't know that like, they are. Guys, they basically, because I I think they do. Well, they they save that random person, but I think the whole time they're okay. trying to help the main guy. Because they say, "Oh, we gotta, we gotta help him and stop this from happening." But I think so they, they, they I know think that there's stakes in it. I think, they but only... he doesn't even summon them. They just appear by I think the actions of the the villain woman at the beginning, and then they're just there, and then I. But at some point, they seem. It's it seems to be established that they're supposed to be helping this guy. I think they're only and helping him I, though. I, don't... I think they're only helping him though because some for some reason they recognize him from summoning ghoulies mm -hmm. in the first movie. Yeah. So they're helping him because he can help them get home. Like, I don't think it's, like, any altruistic sense of helping him. I uh, think it's yeah. just, oh, he can send us right. back, so we need to help him. No, no, no. Yeah, I wasn't saying that they were just good guys now, but they they were helping the protagonist gotcha. because yeah, so, they had something to gain by it. And that's just... So now their, their role in the movie is now with so the So on the guy. point of who these movies... Even though he's not a good guy. Are for, uh, <laughs> like we said, the first two were PG-13, these two were R, these two were direct to VHS. At this point, if you are a dedicated fan of the Ghoulies movies, like back in whenever this was released, early 90s, I didn't, uh, yeah. 94? Yeah. I think the last one was So, 94. I mean. Yeah. It's astounding that that so, was made in 94. I, you know, I don't know. I genuinely don't know. I, I have one jokey theory, but I genuinely don't know who these are for because the first two, like, they're PG-13, but they slant more adult. They're deaf. I, I would say that they slant more adult than Gremlins. Gremlins has some like horrific moments, but I watched as a kid. Most of us watched as a kid. And that's sort of just the like, oh, close your eyes for this part. Because most of that movie is just like fun and Christmas and zany hijinks. And like, whereas you don't get that in these, even when they're trying to be funny, 
that's not the vibe overall. And then the third one goes so hard into the sexuality and stuff. This fourth one has sexuality, but they don't have the like total full on nudity all the time. Um, it's, it's hard, but it's hard for me to fathom who the audience is because it's not even like trauma. Because you can think about like trauma movies lean so heavy into we're going to be as exploitative as possible. We're going to be just totally tasteless. We're going to have just like ridiculous effects and lots of nudity and sex. And we're going to have just characters that are totally off the wall. And it's not even that. So I, it's hard for me to picture the horror no. fan that would come to these and be like, oh, I'm loving this. I'm loving the Ghoulies movies. But there was one moment in this movie that made me... There was a moment that hit that I thought, does this explain it? Does this explain all of these Ghoulies movies at, at long last? So the main character, who's the cop, at one point has a throwaway line. He's talking about something that happened. I don't know, like some somebody got shot or his car got shot up or something. He can't really explain it to his boss because he can't talk about Ghoulies without sounding like an insane person. And he says... One of those weird things like Clinton getting elected, go figure. And it struck me as like, okay, number one, that's a weird thing to put in your movie where you are inserting politics. Cause usually movies will not insert specific political references unless the movie is supposed to be overtly political. You know, then they will like dig in and be like, all right, well, this movie is obviously very conservative or very liberal or whatever. Usually they don't want to piss off an audience. They don't want to like draw a line in the sand and be like, you know, you know, you shouldn't like this guy or you shouldn't like that guy. So it was a weird moment to hear it. But then it made me wonder for all these movies, are these being made for like dumb Republicans? Is this like the Greg Gutfeld? Is this the Greg <laughs> Gutfeld of movies? Like, like it makes sense in the concept of when you think about like bad conservative comedians who don't really understand satire or don't really understand like punching up versus punching down and things like that of like why something works and being funny and not like not grasping how comedy functions as well. And there's obviously conservative comedians that make it work, but we've seen plenty of examples of comedians like that who they just have a political agenda and they aren't really trying to be funny or aren't trying or aren't caring about the craft. They're just trying to espouse a worldview and I'm wondering if it's a similar thing here where it's sort of that idea of, well, yeah, I can make a horror movie. I can make a horror movie and put some jokes and some tits in it. Yeah, people like this. And like without having any kind of like craft or care. And the movies themselves, other than that one moment, don't have an overbearing political or conservative agenda or bias or anything. But it did strike me as like, is this, are these movies coming from someone who is just totally like, inept and not you know maybe they like see like oh well you know hollywood bunch of liberals and i'm an outsider and i can make a movie too and like i don't know it makes me wonder if that's the mentality going into the ghoulies movies and that's why they ended up so awful well it would it would tie in it would tie in with the uh the 80 the satanic panic of the 80s too that was a real big thing in conservative mm. circles then but let's um yeah yeah Let's wrap things up. Uh, so, should another one be made? Anyone, anyone think another one should be made? Um, a Ghoulies, a good version of Ghoulies, if they were going to reboot it, right. is just Gremlins, right? I mean, I don't think there's any <laughs> point in trying yeah. to make a good Ghoulies movie because it's just 
unless you unless you really you know dug deep and tried to make an actual mythology and a point i guess you could make the first one work i mean even if you just made it more like a slasher straight slasher type movie it might have worked better which i i don't think you know going back to like who are these movies for i i don't think that first one was even meant for kids and it's hard to justify it being for like teens or adults and like, like usually when i think about like a college movie they're usually aimed at high schoolers because they don't know like what college is actually like so it's more of like a fantasy um but it didn't seem like Bullies three was aimed at high schoolers because i think even they would think it's pretty stupid <laughs> unless it's like a young maybe middle schoolers who think like this is a movie i shouldn't be watching and that's what makes it cool but it's just so dumb that like i don't picture anyone like actually thinking yeah it's my good. Yeah. my comment I mean, my, my uh, note was... Yeah, my comment was, Lord save us from a Ghoulies Lega sequel. Um, and I do genuinely enjoy a lot of the recent movies that have been rebooted and they bring in new casts and bring in the old cast in different roles. Like, I, I think that's a great way to extend franchises. A lot of them have worked. I cannot imagine the production company that would sign off on this or the people who would think that, like, no one sane or employable would take this gig if they watched any of the first four but but at its crux like like eric said there it's a a good version of ghoulies is essentially gremlins and beyond that it's there's not there's no good idea in here there's no kernel of oh if they only did it this way i mean we talked about like if they had actually made them funny and they have a second one with the carnival thing but even that if the carnival thing had worked at best we would have been like Oh, Ghoulies is kind of a fun movie. Like if, if Ghoulies 2 was the original Ghoulies and they did that, but it was kind of funny, then we might enjoy it. But even if that was the case, there's not really anywhere you can go with it. You're not invested in the characters. You're not invested in the monsters. There's not anything interesting with the mythology. It's just, oh, vague supernatural demon things. And I don't know, they show up and they kill people and uh, um, I mean, Gremlins yeah. like doesn't have like a huge mythology, but Gremlins from the jump introduces, all right, well, here are the rules. Here's what happens. Here's what a Mogwai is. Here's what Gremlins are. Here's what you can't do and what will happen if you don't. Um, so Gremlins at least has some stuff that you can play with in future installments. And, you know, we still don't know well, where did Gremlins come from originally. Like I know in the novels and shit, they went into that. But like in the films, you could dive into that aspect or, you know, in the second one, they have gremlins experimented on. So you get all these different kinds of zany gremlins. But yeah, there's just nothing here that you could, that you could approach yeah. and toy with. And yeah, do. I mean, you could take the name and just do a different movie with little monsters. But at that point, why not just do a different movie with little monsters? Like there's no, if anything, the name Ghoulies yeah. is just going to yeah. weigh you down. Because people are going to be like, oh, this is a reboot? What's the I mean, series? Oh, this series is dog shit? Yeah. Okay, pass. So, like, you'd, uh, you'd be yeah, better off as a studio I mean, that, and as yeah. a filmmaker to just create a completely different universe with your own thing. I can't imagine anyone would be inspired by Ghoulies and be like, I, I, gotta, I gotta make Ghoulies 5. I mean, I think I would be know- interested only because, like, there'd be absolutely no expectations. So yeah. you pretty much you know you'd make a better movie than anything the series has to offer, so you're probably, like, thinking, oh, well, it'll at least be easy to make, like, something that's way better than what has been made, and if I were going to do it, I'd probably just use part two as a jumping-off point where it's, like, let's let's make a movie where it's just these creatures that are unpredictable and violent 
but they're put in a situation where they might be helping the protagonists, but things go awry like yeah. that, you know. Like, that's where I would start if I were going to, like, try to make a legitimately good... But, yeah, it would have to be something that's tonally just more fun and schlocky than taking itself seriously. Yeah, my, my note was, I don't know, maybe let James Gunn run with it, but to the point that both of you have made, like a good version of this is essentially just going to be another movie. Uh, so unless you are like really married to the specific design of the creatures from Ghoulies, there's really no reason to carry on the legacy of Ghoulies. But, but yeah, so, I mean, any final thoughts besides it's bad? I don't usually say this, but I would advise you not to watch them. Uh, you know, like... Like, like even like I, 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 I usually will seek out weird series or I'll, I'll go deep on series and watch entries even to just see what's going on with them. But so, for instance, you know, RoboCop, the first one's pretty good. And then the second one's not great, but kind of worth seeing. And then the third one's like kind of bad. But even that, you can find some redeeming things. We'll be talking about Poltergeist. And from my memory, the Poltergeist series kind of gets you know, less interesting and good as it goes along. But again, still worth watching. There's really nothing redeemable other than the couple things of like the puppetry a little bit, the music in the first one, maybe a couple of surprisingly funny moments. But yeah, you're, you're going to be watching six hours of <laughs> ghoulies and I can in good conscience uh, recommend that you do that. Very minimal. Yeah. Very, very I, I, minimal it's like, payoff. I, I could say maybe watch the second or third. I mean, because the third, like, it, it, it toes that line of being so bad that it's good, but it's also just so just bad that some people might find it to be, like, a Troll 2 type thing. And then, I guess, technically, the second I would consider the best, even though it's not something that I would, like, recommend. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, watching the whole series is definitely a slog. It, um, and I wouldn't want to put someone through that. It definitely took years off my life. I will say that. But that was Ghoulies, everyone. Uh, so hopefully you just listened to this podcast and that was enough for you and you're not going to sit down and watch the rest of the movies because none of us want to take the responsibility of any pain and suffering that might cause you. But uh, as Linton had said, uh, the next episode we're going to be doing is going to be Poltergeist. So that will be a little bit better. There's a little bit more to dig into there and a bit more quality to the series as a whole. So that will be the next episode. Uh, between now and then, uh, find us on social media. We have our Facebook page. You can follow us on Twitter on at Franchise. You can follow us on Instagram. Uh, so please do that. But otherwise, we will see you next time for Poltergeist. And have a great one. Let's review some films. Let's review some films. Let's review some films. See what we gotta say.